Hello, and welcome to the Branching Path Podcast. This is episode... Is this 12? Is this 12 or 11? 12. I think it's oh 12. Oh my god. Episode 12. You know what? We're going to keep this in, but let me just verify that before we say, like, episode 12. And it was not episode 12. It like it's like episode fools. 5, and we just... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is episode fucking 12. Insanity. Um, Look at that. I am Kyle, your host, joined by my fellow host, John. John, how are you doing today? I'm pretty good. How are you? No, not too bad. Uh, I'm currently sitting with my PS5 controller in my hand, occasionally moving my character around in Final Fantasy XIV so that I don't <laughs> get logged out at the 30-minute mark because then I won't be able to log back in and play. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is my life now. Now, when I, when I played, there was a setting to disable AFK, um, getting kicked out for being AFK, rather. Is that not a thing anymore? Yeah, you're not allowed to get rid of the, like, yeah, it automatically logs you out after 30 minutes of inactivity, no matter what. I'm guessing because the massive population boom. Yeah, the, game, the game's just too fucking popular, so people were losing their mind that there were people just sitting there AFK when they couldn't play, so, which I, I, I can really appreciate, but. Sure. Uh, so anyways, I'm part of the problem. Uh, sorry, everyone, <laughs> but. <laughs> I'm going to get so much hate now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, all right, John. Let's just start with uh, what we've been playing this week. Um, we kind of we know what I've been playing, but I will talk about it in a bit. But let's start with you. What uh, what have you been up to? Let's jump into it. Um, <clears throat> I've been playing some older games. I felt like revisiting. I, I beat uh, both Super Mario RPG and Twilight Princess HD. Very cool. And I'll start with um, Super Mario RPG. Um, I just had the urge to revisit it. I still love the art style, and I, I just wanted to. Uh, uh, cheerful RPG to play, and that's like the definition of this game. Um, and yeah, it holds up really well. I had a great fucking time. There, there are some sections I don't care for. I think the weakest element is just platforming because of the perspective. Um, but those sections are usually pretty brief, so it's not a big deal. But there's there's one fucking area where you're climbing vines to get to Nimbus Land, and I wanted every item and the frog coins and shit, and it's just fucking torture. <laughs> I hated that section. I was playing on the Wii U with the Pro Controller and um, using an analog for, for most of the movement. And okay. generally generally pretty accurate, not, not hard to, um, to be accurate with the analog, but for that section where you're really high up on the vines because the, the scenes in this area are, are, there's a lot of vertical space, right? So at, at some point, when you're standing on a vine trying to jump down or up on an angle to the next one, there isn't a lot around you um, and like very little shadow casting going on to tell where you are in, yep. in the 3D space in the scene. And it just made it such a fucking pain. Yeah, so that perspective yeah, yeah. <laughs> makes it hard across the board. I, I I played and beat this one last year on my my SNES Mini, and I I actually looked back at our messages and found some of me complaining about this exact thing. So, <laughs> oh nice, <coughs> excuse me. Yeah, it doesn't uh, that that platforming stuff doesn't hold up super well, but for the most part, it's brief, not a big deal. Um, timed hit system still fucking great, dude. Com- it's combat so simple. in this game. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say it's so simple, but it's so good. I, I, I've I've read opinions on the interwebs, which I know I shouldn't be doing, but <laughs> of, of people complaining about timed hits and how it's like antiquated and it does nothing to spice up turn-based fuck RPGs. Off. And I'm like, fuck you! They're 100% fun. They 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 force you to. You can't be a mindless zombie every time you fight. Like there's always something for you to focus on. 
and there's a reward in that you'll finish the combat faster if you get your timed hits. I, I think it works really well. And it's so charming. Like, you, you get extra animation for True. getting a timed hit. Yeah. You get that awesome audio feedback with that great sound effect when you nail that. Um, yeah, they, they just, they from the sound design, from the animation, everything, they just, they fucking nailed that, that system. Um, yep. Like, simple uh, can still be fun, and it, yeah, it keeps you awake during combat, which is otherwise a pretty simple affair, right? Yep. Um, yeah, I, I think it holds up fucking awesomely, and I, I want to see more of that. Um, the sense of humor also really holds up well. The, the physical comedy and Mario pantomiming everything with the party, I, he just twirls and transforms into whoever he's trying to mimic. Um, oh, right, I when, forgot. He, he just straight up becomes them in the cutscene. <laughs> yeah, he just becomes yeah. Bowser for a moment. It, it works so well, though. <laughs> it's it's so funny and a great way to, uh, to get a lot of personality out of a silent protagonist. Yeah, for sure. Um, and the... the uh, original party members are really great. Mallow has this bubbly personality and is a bit of a scatterbrain, like a cloud person would be. Um, this this cloud being, um, I would have liked one more original party member just to balance it out because we get Mario, Peach, and Bowser, and then we get Mallow and Gino. I would have liked one more. That would have been cool. Uh, yeah. Also, just to see what new original thing they would have come up with. You know what though? Maybe, maybe Croco one more. or something. Yeah, actually, that would have been good. One, one more original character that would have been one more character to be extremely sad about the tragedy of them leaving them in the dustbin of history for eternity. Because <laughs> Mallow and Gino have been left to fucking, you know, just corrode and die and fade from the collective consciousness when they're, like, some of the best original characters in the Mario universe ever. So I'm, so, I'm kind of I'm shocked at playing after playing again that they didn't do more with Mallow especially. I know yes. I'm a G- I'm a Geno fanboy because I like him so much, but Mallow is like the perfect Nintendo character. I know he 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 fits their their bill of of like marketability, friendliness, cuteness, everything. Like he he's he fits also just in the Mario universe very well. He looks like a Mario character. It it blows my mind too. I don't get it. Yeah, I, I feel like they missed an opportunity there. He he um, should have been in every 3D Mario game, like even just as an NPC that has like a, a couple star quests for you or something. And like you know, he's he's, he's crying he's just a, and it's raining. He's just a cloud things. up there now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we have to imagine. <laughs> Find Mallow, guys. Always oh, up. He's that cloud. I've decided he's that cloud. <laughs> Is there a cloud with pants up there somewhere? <laughs> yeah, he. he uh, I, I definitely agree, though. He's he fits everything. I feel like a Nintendo character, a Mario universe character. Um, is supposed to be from yep. Nintendo's perspective. I, it's a shame. I would like to see more. Um, I know. Me yeah, too. Still a Geno fanboy. I fucking love that character. This puppet with limb guns. He's so fucking cool. So good. Um, the optional bosses are really hard and they're fun. And unlike Final Fantasy VII, I get to use my whole party. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that, that was that was fun. They were pretty tough. I did both Culex and the Jinx fights early, so I had, it was quite a challenge. Um, music still fucking phenomenal. Yoko Shimomura, she just nailed this shit. Yeah. Um, Do you have any particular tracks you want to shout out for people to listen to? Uh, fucking Smithy boss fight. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's called not Mushroom Way. There's the one. Uh, uh, what the hell is it called? When you when you're in the woods when you're going to fight that guy with Gino, the the bow who like disables buttons. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that's in like the forest area, right? Yeah, I just can't fucking remember the name. Uh, but look up the soundtrack. Like there, there are many great tracks on there, and it, it fits the atmosphere of the game so well. 
Um, that's it from SMRPG. I had a great time. If you have access to it, emulation, emulation. What's that? <laughs> Sorry, there was some weird audio glitch there. Uh, uh, there's yeah. like a weird. Uh, there's like a, a Christmas ghost of piracy here. He's just yeah, <laughs> yeah. We can't control what he says. Yeah, so. I can't control this guy. He's mm-hmm. fucking pain in the ass. <laughs> but if you can get access to the game, definitely play it. It holds up really well. Um, I'll move on to Twilight Princess now. Well, I'm going to stop you because I, I also just want to gush for, for one second. Um, go for it. Yeah, SMRPG again. Played it last year. I'd never actually finished it. I managed to go through and, and beat the game. It was really special for me. It holds up so well. This keeps happening with these like 16-bit era games, right? Like they, they This was... It's treated as a golden age for a reason. Like, there's so many special games from that time that hold up incredibly well today. Like, way too well, um, Mm -hmm. considering what they had to work with at the time and, you know, how much more we have tool-wise at our disposal now, and yet so much poop gets churned out. Not, I mean, sorry, I don't mean to sound like... There's a lot of good games today, too, but anyways, not not RPGs a lot of the time. Um, One thing I really like about SMRPG... Uh, same for other games of that era, like the the Chrono Triggers and and some of the Final Fantasy that, of that era. Is they're a lot shorter than RPGs are today. Uh, yes. They don't they don't overstay their fucking welcome. They're like, okay, no, this is the story we have to tell. These are the ideas we have for interesting zones, and and this is the narrative, and this is the pacing. Were we to stretch it out anymore, it wouldn't be good. So let's just make what we have. Like like Tales of Arise just keeps coming to mind, and I get a headache right away. I'm actually holding my forehead right now. Um, <laughs> just you, you can make a short RPG and, and still have it be awesome. Like I'm still going to be happy with it. Yeah, um, for sure. That, that's all. Um, that's all I have to say. It's just I feel like now the the challenge of asset creation, like making really high res, gorgeous pieces of art, characters that move, and all these crazy props that stand out and tell you things, and getting that into this big 3D game world and delivering a story with characters that look that realistic. Now, there, there are very, obviously plenty of stylized characters, but um, when, when you go for something like a Tales of Arise um, yeah. or Final Fantasy VII Remake, the, the, I don't know, there, there kind of are no limits other than what you can pull off within, um, I don't know, modern-day hardware limits, I guess. Like Final Fantasy VII Remake looks fucking fantastic, but... The delivery of all that stuff they're trying to get across can just it, it didn't work for me um but you go back to something like super mario rpg within those limits with text boxes and this physical comedy it <laughs> it holds up so much better than the i don't know the the cringe of like the modern day rpg yeah yeah uh, there's just this this certain je ne sais quoi pardon my canadian french uh of 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 modern day RPG cringe. That's a good way to put it. There's just too much cringe out there. <laughs> uh, we're explaining this fucking terribly, but <laughs> no, no, no. That's 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 explains it perfectly. For anybody who's in the know, they'll know. Um, they'll know. <laughs> the question, the question, of course, is. You know, I was gonna say the question is: Is there too much cringe, or have we just become too cringe averse? But I, I think playing the older games has it's like speaks for itself, right? The games. They didn't have the same level of uncanny dialogue, like weird, awkward shit. You know, I don't know. It, it was just more elegant, I guess, especially in the in the Super Nintendo days. I'd say the PS One, PS Two era starts to get into some of uh, some of those traps as far as shitty RPG tropes and stuff. But yeah, sure, lots of good shit in the sixteen bit days. 
Yeah, it's. Uh, I would like to see a return to that in some way. I'm curious what the modern day equivalent of it would be. Um, yeah. Uh, and at the very least, the indie scene is keeping some of that stuff alive, so that's good. Oh yeah, hell oh, yeah. Um, all right, I'm going to jump into Twilight now. <clears throat> the vampire book series, not the game. Oh yeah, no, that's uh, what I thought. You don't mean you're not talking about Zelda. Please no, tell me no. you're talking about Zelda. No. Thank God. Okay, yeah. So <laughs> Edward or Jacob, which one? Uh, Jacob. Uh, which one is he? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, this is this is already the least topical reference, maybe in the history of topical references. So, <laughs> I I've, I don't know anything about fucking Twilight. Um, okay, Twilight Princess HD. I didn't expect to enjoy it as much as I did. Um, I, f- I still felt kind of zelded out, quote unquote, after trying to get into Breath of the Wild again. Um, I, I borrowed. Uh, Wind Waker HD from my brother, and I saw Twilight HD on the uh, Wii U eShop randomly. I was just browsing the the um, games there, and I figured, what the hell, I'll give it a shot. I'll give Wind Waker a shot down the line. And, yeah, I just I got sucked in. This version of Link has a great... His personality comes through because of the relationships he has with characters around him, like Ilya and the Ordon Village kids. And the, the various people he runs into out in the world. Uh, and Midna, of course. The fucking still best uh, sidekick, hands down. Um, yeah, hand, hands down. I mean, in case the audience doesn't know, I have a cat named Midna. So I'm also a big fan. <laughs> yeah, she's she's still terrific. That little voice effect they gave her is great. Her facial expressions are fantastic. Um, yeah, best, best sidekick. And her interactions with Link help... Uh, bring through who Link is a bit. And Link is still a very simplistic character. He is the courageous knight, and that's it. That's all there is to him. But that, that's okay when the game world is built around that. I, I can still have a good time with that, um, whereas I think Breath of the Wild dropped the ball there because of yeah. its, its open-ended structure. When I get an open-world game like that, um, you know, you have to give me a really strong character, or you gotta let me make my own. And Link is is a blank slate that I can't customize. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not it's not served by Link being there at all, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, the story in, in in Breath of the Wild is so paper thin, and and, and just honestly, actually, I find it kind of cringy to be honest. So I hate to use cringe again, but um, <laughs> those those like four NPC characters from uh, Breath of the Wild, I really don't care for at all. Oh yeah, they're. Yeah, there's there's like nothing to them. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I had a great time with it. Uh, it sucked me in pretty quickly. Um, there are some complaints, of course, and most of the notes I took for it are my are complaints. I think they're all complaints, actually. <laughs> let, let me just get it out, out and say I had a great time. I would recommend playing it. I think it holds it really well, but the things that stand out to me are things I want to change, so I'll, yeah. bring, I'll also, just talk about those. I will uh, I will also, at the end, gush a little bit about Twilight Princess as well, so we'll, we'll end on a positive note. Let's do it. Um, we'll compliment sandwich this bitch. <laughs> the magic armor is so fucking dumb that it weighs you down when you are when you run out of rupees they have unused buttons in this game i think the left d-pad is completely unused you could you could make it a toggleable effect so that there is some cool visual progress after you get this awesome fucking suit and you could just put that on and run around and look like a badass right uh, and then toggle on the rupee effect if you want that shield I, I there is no way they didn't hear the fan complaints after the wii and gamecube original version of this game right right it, it would have been such an easy fix. 
why didn't you give me that instead of this fucking amiibo? <laughs> um, yeah, that one. It's the it's the the thing that bothered me the most playing it again because it's just so fixable. Yeah. Um, Ilya's memory loss to me is a pretty lame plot device, and it leads you into probably the most bland part of the game. Uh, I think they could have done something more interesting with her. Um, and, and again, like Link's personality comes through based on the interactions with characters around him, and I think Ilya could have been a stronger relationship. But uh, after the intro where she kind of chastises Link for um, being too rough with Epona, she just becomes this nothing character. Uh, that pissed me off. Um, there could there should have been a lot more to that. And then when she gets her memory back finally, what she gives you is the horse call item, which is so fucking useless because by this point in the game, you have uh, wolf transformation at will with the tap of a button or a yep. very quick dialogue thing interaction with uh, Midna, um, and you have fast travel. So it, it's just functionally useless. Not to yeah, mention the horse doesn't control super well. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's a horse, so it, it shouldn't be as... Um, it's not going to feel the same as running around one-to-one with Link. But I feel like the world design and the speed of the horse don't really mesh, and I found myself hitting walls a lot. So it's just... It, playing with Epona annoyed me, so I ended up just avoiding it entirely, um, for the most part. Uh, the epic moments, like when you're on the Bridge of Elden fighting that uh, big goblin dude on yeah. horseback, that's fucking badass. But Hell cinema- yeah. Like cinematic those cinematic moments are fucking awesome and they hold it really well but just just out in the world running around with the horse not not great um yeah the horse call and and Ilya's memory fucking lame <laughs> the amiibo dungeon fuck amiibo gated content in general and not and to mention, you can't have a complete file now because the biggest wallet in the game is locked behind that fucking amiibo yeah so unless you want to spend how much was it on a physical copy of the game john I think it was like two to three hundred when I looked. Yeah, so that would be with the game and the amiibo, which is probably you know one of the few ways to get the amiibo nowadays because most people would have kept it in the packaging, right? You know what? Let's let's just put this to bed. I'm going to look it up right now, really quick. All right, Twilight Princess HD Amazon. Otherwise, Amazon union busting assholes. But this is the quickest way to check a price. Uh, yeah, Legend of Zelda, Twilight Princess HD, Wii U, the the boxed amiibo thing, $300. Yeah, that's disgusting. Um, that's 300 US. I'm on Amazon.com right now. Oh, God. Yeah, okay. Canadian doesn't... <laughs> Canadian, uh, new... There are three new options starting at $540. What the actual fuck, man? That's so stupid. Why is our hobby so stupid? <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. Um, so there's no fucking way I was doing that. And as much as it pisses me off, I did not, I managed to enjoy the game despite knowing I would not have access to that content. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I, I did, I did everything else besides that content and just pretended it didn't exist. <laughs> um, yeah, fuck, fuck Amiibos that this gating bullshit that's becoming, I, I don't know if it's becoming more of a thing, but the version of it we have already is enough. It's fucking lame. I was going to say, it, it's in the Skyward Sword uh, remake too, right? Like, they did the exact same thing again. Oh, right. Yes, yeah. and uh, that's uh, another fast travel thing. They, they they locked, like, bird access or something behind it. I can't remember. Yeah, they made it so you could access your bird from anywhere. 
without having to go to one of those statues if you had the amiibo, which is a huge quality of life thing. Like, that would be huge. Right. But, no, you have to have the fucking amiibo. Fucking lame. Yeah, um, those are my main complaints. Uh, aside from that, I had uh, a great fucking time. Those, those moments where Link feels like a badass hero still hold up so well. Like, when you save... Um, Colin from the Goblin Dude on the Bridge of Elden, and um, when you escort uh, Ilya and the, I think her name is Telma, the bar owner, when you escort them to Kakariko to, yeah, yeah, to yeah, yeah. get help for uh, for Ilya, it's it's fucking great. Um, and, and again, like Link's personality comes through because the people around him. He's that reliable, courageous hero character. Um, right. And my my favorite part, I think, was his relationship with Colin. Uh, one of the, the Ordon Village kids. Colin wants to be Link when he grows up because Link is this that brave hero, right? And you see Colin become a more courageous kid throughout the game. And by the end, he gets a sword of his own and, and he's going to grow up to be uh, a sword fighter. Um, yeah, it's, it's fucking great. I had a great time. Would definitely recommend. Cool. Uh, compliment sandwich this, Kyle. Yeah, well, so I, I played. <laughs> I played this game... It's it, it actually it'll have been a long time ago, and I can I can gauge it based on how old my cat is because we got her as a kitten, and I named her Midna. Uh, well, my girlfriend and I named her Midna because I had been playing Twilight Princess, so I played it I guess eight years ago. So I'm obviously not fresh on this at all. Um, right. And I played it on the Wii, so I actually used motion controls, which frankly I kind of enjoyed for for the bow the bow and stuff like that. Um, the game just had a lot of standout moments to me. I I'll still never forget the the little. Uh, section where you go to that like western style town and you have the little shootout with the goblins and stuff like that <laughs> oh yeah the hidden village yeah it's it's there's a lot of just personality to this game they tried some cool stuff uh for the for the grittier kind of visual like it doesn't feel like this edgelords version of link they still treated it you know they didn't go too too far in that direction but it still had that cool cast of of like this darker side of of link and stuff and or not, sorry, not Darker Side of Link, but Darker Side of Zelda is probably a better way to put it. The, the, the series, sure. not the character. Right. Um, and yeah, Midnight, like you said, is such an awesome sidekick. Uh, just a lot of well-fleshed-out characters and, and really fun gameplay. I love the whole progression of, as Link as a, as a swordsman in that game, too. It's something I think they don't always capture is, like, you know, Link has to grow... One of the only ways Link grows in these games is is through his ability, right? Because he's he's so muted and doesn't say anything, and he's, he's that kind of courageous hero. So you know he's always going to go do the next courageous thing. Uh, and I'm okay with that. Like, I don't mind that that's simplistic. But I like when they can do a good job of showing him actually growing in his ability, because that's one of the few ways they show his progress. And, and that, That's that a skeleton great point, the hidden skills. Knight. Yeah, the skeleton knight uh, and the—so are those all optional? Uh, I the or at first least most one of them might be required. I think the first one uh, is required just because it clues you in on the system. I might be okay. wrong about that. Okay. Uh, but I think the rest can be missed. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really good flavor. First of all, that there's this skeleton knight in badass armor who's who's teaching you the ways of the sword. Um, yeah, I don't know. And, and just some of the skills are really cool. Like they they look great in combat. They feel great to execute. Uh, so I guess that would be something they kind of carried over from Wind Waker, right? Because Wind Waker has a similar system, and some of the same moves. Uh, yeah, Wind Waker has the that rolling backslash built in. Yeah, like you can, yeah, you yeah. can just do that. Um, oh, okay, you Twilight, can just do that from the get go. Okay. Yep, in Twilight, that's a, a hidden skill. Right. Um, 
yeah, Wind Waker, the final move you get is that insane spin, which is fucking awesome. Right. Um, whereas in Twilight Princess, it, the version of that is just the great spin. Like, the, the final move you learn is just a better spin attack. Okay. Um, uh, not my favorite, because it requires full HP, but still cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree, though. Um, Link's progression has to be through what he can do, because he never says anything. Yeah. Um, so a, a system like that is something they should they should do more with. Um also, it just livens up gameplay. I don't want to do the same yes. sword strike every time. <laughs> Dude, like, I just can't help but, again, come back to Breath of the Wild, right? Where there is literally no progression. The combat is as it is from the start of the game to the end of the game. And there's not really even a... Like, the, I guess because Souls games are, are similar, right? Your, your combat doesn't... Your kit doesn't really expand in Dark Souls 1, for example. But right. there's such a... There's such a like skill ceiling to that game that I you know I can totally forgive it and lots of different weapons to, to try that all you know play differently. Whereas in Breath of the Wild, it's it's just so bare bones from the get go, and the only skill ceiling thing is I guess timing your dodges. Like I don't know, there's not much to it. Yeah, the the soul system is is great, but the like what we're getting from that is is like a lot of depth and a lot of weight. Um, yeah, I'm not saying Breath of the Wild doesn't have some depth with its like physics sandbox, but um, I don't know. You you have these weighty interactions with big consequences in the souls in the souls genre and the souls games in particular, and then in Twilight Princess you have relatively simple combat, which honestly in some ways doesn't hold up amazingly, um, but it's fun to have all these different moves and all these different tools, and then you have this middle ground, which is Breath of the Wild, where sandbox is cool but i have very few tools i have these glowing blue bomb things that are i mean and some of some of the interactions are cool but to me they were not a stand-in for all the crazy shit you get in zelda games yeah i know what you mean uh, like when i'm swinging this ball and chain around <laughs> to over my head to kill bats because they just fly right into it it's 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 hilarious and fun to use um yep. and yeah, and, and Breath of the Wild, you don't get... I don't get Deep Souls combat, and I don't get all the fun tools. So it's kind of just meh. Yep, I feel you there. Um, yeah, Anyways, Twilight uh, Princess is awesome. Please still play great. it if you're a Zelda fan and you haven't. Like, I was for a long time. I, I didn't play it when it came out, so it wasn't, wasn't until many years later um, that I ended up coming back to it. And, yeah, it, it holds up really well. Aside from the, the gripes that John mentioned, like, they're, they're, none of them are game-breaking or, you know enjoyment destroying so much that you can't get a lot out of it still so yeah if you haven't played it yeah. check it out yeah not at all kyle entertain the people for me while i step away for a second <coughs> okay uh so people i've got a confession while john was talking about zelda i've been running around the final fantasy 14 world uh accepting quests handing in quests there's you do a lot of that in this game and uh it's pretty mindless Hence, I was able to do it while John was rambling on about a very good Zelda game. Uh, and I'm doing that right now. So while I should be devoting my full attention to you and what would keep you happy, I am instead devoting my full attention to Yoshi P. And somebody has just rung my doorbell, which is confusing slash concerning. I am not going to get it right now because I'm entertaining the pod and I'm hoping it's just a delivery. Oh, it is a delivery. We ordered something. Yep, 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 yep. So anyways, just playing Final Fantasy XIV, having a blast. 
kind of. There's caveats there. I, I'm going to be probably a bit negative about Final Fantasy XIV today, despite it being pretty much the only thing I'm playing right now. So I have returned. Nice. You missed out on a lot, dude. Somebody rang my doorbell while you were coming. So. <laughs> That's just great timing. <laughs> yeah, I know. So good. Um, so I just ignored it. And, uh, yeah, here we are. All right, my man. What are we moving on to next? All right. I'm going to talk about Phygel Fantasy Blurbleen, or as the fans might know it, Final Fantasy XIV. Sounds like an animal um, classification. <laughs> <laughs> um. So it's still what I've been playing the most of. I told the audience already as a little bit of a, a preamble that I'm probably going to be a bit negative about it today. Um, All right. Just because while I'm still enjoying myself on the whole, um, every time I say on the whole, I cannot not think of Preparation H, by the way. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> I, on the whole. On the whole. Um, yeah, I've been playing it and mostly enjoying it more and more of the cracks keep showing themselves to me and I keep having to kind of evaluate again why I'm playing what I'm looking to get from the game and what my goals are Uh, and I keep coming up with answers that I'm finding satisfactory it's probably not a great sign that I keep having to do this (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but I don't know as I get older I think sometimes I get in my head about games and you know it's, it's weird it's it's a hobby obviously but I think sometimes our relationship to it can be a little bit too min maxi where i'm like worried about maximizing enjoyment or like maximizing completion of as many games as possible like, i don't know it, it's weird sometimes do you, do you have that i got you, yeah. you do yeah well as, as we get older we got a lot more cognizant of time right sure for sure oh uh, god that's the a... realest that's the realest thing we've said on this podcast let's <laughs> <laughs> style that back <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about preparation h again Alright. <laughs> Anyways, so uh, let's talk about FF14. Things it does really well. I think still the dungeons are, are, the, are the strength of this game. Um, it's where they hide their coolest content. Uh, they tie a lot of their stories to dungeons and it's what you do with other players that matters. So the dungeons are still really fun. I've had really good interactions with the players in this game running dungeons like even though i have that that crew i play with pretty frequently i still end up doing a lot of dungeons uh, solo with with randos just because you know schedules adulting real life so not everybody's on at the same time plus if, if you're trying to play in the evening right now um you're looking at like a one to two to three hour wait time in a queue to get on anyway so it makes it even harder to coordinate playing together right um so but i've had a really good interaction with most of the strangers i've played with um I'm trying less and less to like f- to watch videos of dungeons before I do a run, especially because I'm a DPS. It doesn't matter as much for me. And I'm trying to, in the moment, just learn it with, with people. And people haven't actually been super shitty about it. They've been pretty understanding, which has been cool. Um, so that's nice. I, I'd say the community actually as a whole, not on the whole, <laughs> as a whole, has, <laughs> has, has been really, really positive. So that's good. I'll, I'll, give, I'll give Final Fantasy XIV that. Um... And it's especially I'm just picturing important. a dragoon suppository now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It's your final jump. <laughs> yeah, I just, now I'm picturing somebody like bent over with their ass in the sky and a dragoon using jump and then depositing themselves. That's so weird. Anyways, the, anyways, Thanos meme. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh God. All right. <laughs> All right. Back on track. Uh, it's good that the, the community's been so. Um, 
uh, respectful that way and accommodating that way because there's so many new players. This is a bit of a tangent, but here here's my my big wish for that something they they'd done. So they did a stat squish recently with the release of Endwalker, the most recent uh, expansion. The stat squish meaning that everybody's stats were going to be reduced overall, so your maximum HP would be a lot less than it was before the the update. Your stats in general would just be less than they were, so that when you sink down to a lower level for lower level content, you aren't as OP because people were just so overpowered for for older content because their item level definitely the, the way the, the way the formula works it just wasn't bringing that down nearly enough so it trivialized so much stuff they did a stat squish i'd say the effects are are minimal hardly noticeable at least for older content apparently for the newer stuff it the, the newer stuff is pretty unforgiving and uh one of the guys in our link shell said that he had a lot of like party-wide wipes through the new content which is cool to hear like, i don't mind there being some challenge that way for once because everything's been pretty easy even yeah. with people, you know, people can totally fuck up mechanics, and for the most part, we don't pay the ultimate price. So, anyways, that's good. But because there are so many new players, I don't think they had they have to worry so much about there being players for that older content right now, right? Like, there's going to be an influx of new people to party with other new people. So I wish that they had just made it so the stat scaling for anybody who was sinking down to that was was way more brutal and unforgiving. Um, so that people could experience this old content as it was meant to be, right? Like, with the difficulty as it was when it was new. But for whatever reason, even that with the That would have been stat- great. Yeah, it would have been great. Like, it would, it, would, it would make this game a lot more special, man. Like, here's what I, here's what I miss the most, and, and I constantly compare this game to Final Fantasy XI and what I liked about Final Fantasy XI. Um, what I miss most is, one, caring about the gear that I got, and also knowing my gear. In FF11, you fucking know your gear inside and out because each piece takes quite a bit of time to get, usually. Um, if you're not doing a long series of like quests for your artifact gear or something, it's you know grinding to get money to buy the gear or, or crafting to make the gear. Like It's just a time investment. So when you actually get that piece, it feels fucking dope, and you 100% know exactly the benefits of that piece of gear, especially endgame, right? Like when the gear sets become so, so particular and specific... I know for a fact that that pull grip I got for my Dragoon has a 2% double attack chance. So anyways, and then seeing that proc, I'm like, fuck yeah! All that hard work I did was worth it. Um, right. Anyways, I, that is non-existent in this game, probably until I get to the new content. So for 80 levels, they just keep giving me gear, right? They just hand it out with the main story quests, and that is enough to get you through. It does not matter if you go try and min-max your stats. Like it just It's a waste of time. Um, so there's no point also then in farming dungeons that drop cool gear that you want because it doesn't matter Uh, I farmed one dungeon for a set that I thought looked cool and that was actually a shit ton of fun it was cool to learn that dungeon in and out it was cool to actually give a shout sorry give a shit rather uh, about the gear gear that I was getting and I have missed that so much in this game I wish there was more of that um, and again, that's probably more of a thing end game, but I, it, it just sucks that, and you've had this complaint before, John, as soon as the new content comes out, all that old gear becomes completely useless. Um, yeah, it's like strictly vertical progression. Um, it, it's the, the kind of replacement for it, I guess, is the glamour system. Um where gear matters because you like the look. But. Yeah, which which is exactly like they've they've one hundred percent. That's what they've leaned into, right? And and at mm-hmm. least at least I can do that, and I can have the cool looking 
side of it, which matters to me. Like, I do want to have gear that I think looks cool. That's that's a good well, motivator. I definitely appreciate that. Um, yeah, yeah. It's just it's a shame that for what's the what's the cap now? Ninety. Yeah. Yeah, it's a shame that for eighty nine levels, what you have is is mostly just placeholder until you get to the the, the good shit at the end. Yeah, exactly. And even then, if there's a, if another piece of content comes out, that's also going to be made irrelevant. Yeah, exactly. So as soon as I mean, so you know, as as the expansions release, they have their like expansion story content, and then along that story, you unlock dungeons and raids, and those are where you're going to get your your best gear from, right? Usually the the raids at the end of the of the content that are like the max. So level ninety raids in this case are what you're going to farm over and over to get the best gear for your class. Right. But as soon as six point one launches and there's new dungeons, well, guess what? All that stuff you spent hours and hours and hours getting will be complete. Like there's just going to be a new, better version of it you have to go get now. Um, and anyways, I like i'm kind of anxious to get to that point because i want to see how much i enjoy it i have a feeling i'm going to enjoy kind of farming those raids to get that gear because that's something i miss also here here's my other thing i miss leveling mattering there is no fucking grind in (laughs) this game there's no grind at all which sounds like a weird complaint but like, I'm level 67 right now, and I just finished the base Heavensward story, and I have all the post-patch content now, which is usually pretty significant. And I'm going to be level 70 by the time I get to Stormblood, and the max level for Stormblood is level 70. So, already I'm over-leveled for the content I'm doing, which sucks. Like, it just it feels kind of shitty to be OP and, and not get... Like, I'm interacting with content past its prime, right? Uh, I mean, this complaint, I think, stems from there's no sense of growth. It's just spoon-fed to you with with just, I don't know, massive dumps of gear, which is probably overpowered from when this content was relevant. 100%. Um, And uh, more EXP than you know what to do with. It's insane, dude. They give you too much. (laughs) Yeah, they're just trying to catch you up to the, the... it's a shame that they designed the progression of this to, or um, the philosophy of it, I guess, to be, we're just going to get you the shit that matters rather than building a game where all the parts matter. Yes, yes, that that's right. The philosophy, the underlying philosophy is disappointing, um, 100%. Now, Yoshi P, um, I forget his actual name, so forgive me, Yoshi P, but the main like director of this game, he, he's had some interesting kind of things to say about people's like relationship to his game and he he said that he's happy for people to basically take breaks when they're done with the new content and just come back when they have like new expansion stuff for them to play like he 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 likes that that's the way the game is kind of set up which is interesting okay. right he, he's not going for maximum engagement 100% of the time he actually doesn't want to suck up all of your time in in this game he's like no when when you're out of stuff to play that's okay i'm okay if you go play other games like i'd actually prefer that than you just just playing our game 100 percent of the time so i I know i i can appreciate his his approach there i kind of like that he i don't know i like that he's always thinking of the next thing and how to make people like you know worried about that being as good as it can be i just wish in that process he wasn't throwing away all the good they've done already and that the yeah, like you said, the philosophy is just get to the new stuff because that's the the newest, coolest hotness that we've worked on that I want you to see. Forget about the old stuff. 
No. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I, if he's talking, if he's coming from a perspective of like worrying about how people spend their time or how much time, um, those players are going to do that anyway. Um, right. Like the the long haul players or the the marathon players who are are, are Twitch streamers or whatever, where playing this is literally their job. Um, the, the people that are going to really go gung ho at it are going to do that anyway if they like your game. Um, I would just like to see. I would have. I'm not. I'm not going back to this. I would. I would have liked to see during my time. <laughs> um, uh, just the, the the individual parts matter more, or or the philosophy be about um, I don't know celebrating smaller wins. Like I don't have to kill this massive effort thing. Maybe just getting through a dungeon, a hard dungeon with some buddies or some strangers you had a good time with. Uh, and for a time that that was how the game worked, but. It's now just so piss easy. <laughs> um, I would have liked. Um, how do I word this? I don't know. In Final Fantasy XI, you celebrate the small things because they're they take a lot of effort. Hell yeah! Um, I would have liked to see that uh, make its way into this, and it could be more modern friendly for sure. It doesn't have to be as hardcore as Eleven was, but the philosophy of like gaining a level just being this really big awesome thing. Fuck yeah! I got access to a bunch of cool new gear that's gonna last me for a while. That that felt good, and that's completely absent here. Completely absent here. Yeah, the the level, your character level is almost incidental. Like I don't even think about it most of the time. Um, right. <laughs> it's not to say like it, it can certainly be exciting to get new spells and stuff like that. Like I still look forward to that, but yeah, as a as as a general rule, I just don't think about it. Like people keep um. Or one of our one of our friends in the link shell was uh, was talking about how great the squadrons are because one of the side things you can interact with is you have a little squadron of people. Oh right, yes. You can you can send on missions, which is cool. I don't mind it. Like it's neat, and you can recruit them, whatever. But the reason mm -hmm. he was so jazzed about it is you you unlock these like squadron buffs for your character that increase exp and stuff like that. Yep. And I was like. I don't fucking give a shit. <laughs> like I, I don't. I don't need increased exp. That's the last thing I care about. Now, here's where I can see it being exciting to people, though. I have mainlined one job. I am only playing black mage. I have played a tiny bit of samurai, but like black mage is what I'm putting everything into. If I was to start jumping around now and leveling a bunch of other classes, I can see that being exciting from that standpoint. But even so, like I still think the leveling is so unbelievably fast that I just wouldn't even really care. Like, yay, I got a 10% boost. Where in FF11, that would be fucking enormous, right? I would, I would care so much about that. Here, right. it's so trivial, I don't even care. Like, I just, I level so fast, the 10% is like, eh, whatever, take it or leave it. I don't want to go talk to I, the NPC, so I'll just pass. <laughs> I was personally upset uh, when Trust came to 14. Um I, I feel like it was just going in the wrong direction. Instead of making what you built matter more, they've decided, okay, you don't have to, in this MMO, for a lot of content, you don't have to play with anybody. You can just use your trusts and get through this crap to the good shit that's waiting for you. <laughs> well, but now trust only is only available for um, Shadowbringers and onwards, so it's only level 80 up. Like, it is quite a while before you get them. It is Shadowbringers only? Yes, Shadowbringers and Endwalker. There's nothing before that. Okay, I didn't know that. That's that's good. Um, yeah. Well, better, but I, I still I'm not a fan that it it's even a thing. So here's um, here's the thing. Here here's what's funny, John. I am looking forward to the trust so much, 
Do you know oh, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> because one of my biggest stresses about this game is new dungeons with people I don't know. Right? So this may be a me problem, but I want to be able to learn a dungeon, like actually explore the dungeon, learn the mechanic, like take my time in it, right? And you just can't sure. do that with strangers. It's just, it's just not an option. With trust, I can now before like because I mean trust are way slower than doing it with an actual party first of all, so they're not the optimum way to do it. So if you're farming anything, real people is still the way to go. But trust is going to let me look like actually look at a dungeon, spend time in it, see what they've created because the dungeons are often very cool. Learn the mechanics on my own so that when I go into it with a party, I actually know what the fuck I'm doing. I get where you're coming from. Um, I mean, look, I definitely do understand that because I played tank for a while and I always found that nerve wracking. Yeah, for sure. Just, I don't know. I, at the end of the day, I'm playing an online game. Like, I know, if I'm I know. Worried, if I'm worried about it, I'll put up a party finder thing and just say, guys, I want to learn this. I'm looking for people who don't mind taking their time. Sure. Or whatever. Uh, or I want to do a lore run. And like, I want to go through this and watch the cutscenes or yeah. something like that. Um, yeah. th those options are there. Uh, I do, I do, from the convenience perspective, I do definitely appreciate what trusts enable. But I, I, for me personally, I can't speak for anybody else. For me personally, that's not why I go to MMOs. <laughs> um, I'm not playing that to to get that. You know what I mean? I'm playing to go through the the process of meeting and and playing with these these hopefully cool people. And then you make some some lasting friends and you have a great fucking time. Yeah. Now, so this is interesting because this kind of clashes, I think, with our our experience with FF11 a little bit. Where, and I'm curious to get your take on this. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't really, I think, settled the the thought, the process, or the question in my mind. But it seemed like in FF11, you and I were having the most fun when we could do things ourselves without having to involve other people. Uh, yeah, I'd agree with that. I feel like 14 could have found a balance, though. Um, mm -hmm. but because everything took so long in 11, you and I were really happy when we had the, the shit we needed, unfortunately through fucking dual boxing. Um, but when yeah. we had what we needed to really get shit done without having to go through sometimes a multi-hour recruiting, um, yeah. you know, 14 didn't really suffer from that. I don't know if it does for older content now. I can't really speak to that. But 14, I think, had an opportunity to kind of get the best of both worlds, and I feel like it dropped the ball there. Yeah. Um, like, it didn't need to be as freaking crazy hardcore and frustrating as 11 could be. Um, like, to take the best parts of 11 and modernize them. Is, yeah, is, definitely. Guess, that's, that's what I was looking for, anyway. I know. It's what I, and it's what I keep wishing there was. Like, yeah, the, the, the whole reason trust is there, I think, is because of the, the issues with how, like, trivial a lot of the game is, right? Um, right. And it just, it never, it doesn't matter if you are good or not. Uh, I don't know because you're so never... can't can't you can't you do dungeons with your squadron? Yeah, I think they're, they're, that's very limited though. Um, that's okay. like limited to particular dungeons, and you'd you'd never actually be able to progress the story that way. Um, I see. Yeah, so you still you still have to party with with people for that. And again, like until you get to to Shadowbringers, you you still have to play with other people on and all the dungeons and stuff like that. So, hmm. um, yeah. Um, what was I gonna say? So these these problems keep cropping up, and I, I, I'm having days where I'm not enjoying my play session as much. And then I have a day where I 
have quite a bit of fun because you know there was a cool story moment and it wasn't uh, padded out too much for once and there was a cool dungeon I did with friends and, and then it kind of clicks again but um, yeah okay my biggest complaint about this game more than anything is is probably well it's it's twofold it's it's how quick everything progresses it's too fast it's too easy they give you too much shit that's number one I cannot believe how trivial all the old content is and then number two is their approach to the storytelling and this goes hand in hand with how fast everything is so storytelling is almost always like 10 quests of walking back and forth or killing <laughs> unimportant things and then they give you items and experience throughout those 10 totally meaningless quests that barely have any like there's always dialogue in them but the story stuff is so ancillary and like not interesting um, right. It's just—it's clearly fluff, right? So, so much filler, so much filler between the actually quite good, important story moments, which are like voice acted and have cutscenes and, and that kind of thing. If they fucking cut out the fat and just made it so that okay, you did the cool story bit in the cool story dungeon, you need to be three levels higher now to, to access the next one. Go fucking level up. That would have been—that would make this game so much better. It sucks too because it started that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that really uh, sucks. Now, b- before yeah. 2.0, or even even with 2.0, uh, even in the beginning of 2.0, well, I guess yeah, it would have had to be right. Yeah, because he wouldn't have leveled that fast. Yeah, it was. If they just kept that kind of progression, um, I don't know what other problems that would have brought on. But uh, this, yeah, I, I feel you really hard there because. Um, How hard do you feel me? It, <laughs> really hard. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> so like a dragoon jumping into the sky asshole um, yeah it's just th- that was fun it's like oh shit okay I gotta I gotta power up I gotta go explore and, and do dungeons and and meet people and do things and it w- I, I, my complaint back then was still that the the overworld uh, outside of dungeons was fucking meaningless yeah yeah and but, it still is oh that, that's another complaint actually yeah but anyways <laughs> but at least that that progression felt good yeah. Now clearly, clearly, this, despite all this, this game has a massive fucking audience. So. Yeah. No, I mean, and again, like it, it clearly has things it does well. Um, but even the things it does well, it's it's robbed itself of the best version of that just through all the changes they've made since 2.0 and, and basically begging people to catch up and get to level level 80 now so they can do the new content, right? Which again. Yeah. I, yeah, I think so. It, it baffles me. Maybe these decisions were made at a time when they... You know, I mean, the game was always popular after 2.0, basically. Like, it's it's just had a meteoric rise since then. But maybe a lot of this decision-making was made at a time when they were worried about players dropping off and, and having trouble finding other players to do this content with. But there are so many fucking players in this game now. They just don't have to worry about that stuff. So I wish they'd, have, I wish they'd do a huge retuning to account for the fact that they have the player base they do. Um, and then if they ever needed to make changes because the base was dwindling and it was getting hard to find parties for old content, then they could make changes to address that. But I can understand why they hesitate because I mean the people playing now, I I gotta assume enjoy the the way this game. Feels yeah, well I was gonna say like it's it's successful now as it is, right? So why change it right. if it ain't broken? So I, yeah, I of course their incentive is is not to do that. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, anyways. 
Anyways, I'm playing a lot of it still um, when I can and I can get in through the login queue. It's way better in the mornings. It's crazy how like when, when noon hits, basically it, the numbers just skyrocket. So before noon you can get in like you always could, like a couple minutes and you're in. Not even. Uh, but then noon rolls around EST or something, I think even around 1 o'clock. Uh, and yeah, the numbers skyrocket and you're in like a one, two hour queue to play the game. So it's, it's, it's nuts. Um, and we'll Shit. get to we'll get to the the consequences of just how popular this is in the news section. But anywho, I it's crazy, John, how much I've had these moments of oh, I should go back and play Final Fantasy XI again. Um, <laughs> oh, I know, dangerous road, Kyle. I know it's crazy. <laughs> I, I I don't think I ever will, especially because there's a lot of MMOs are hard for me because. <laughs> There's always an end date, right? I know I'm not going to play this forever. It's like it's like right. knowing you're in a relationship that where you're going to break up, right? It's like if you know there's going to be an end, it almost ruins the, the present. If you know the relationship isn't going to be forever, it's like why am I playing or why am I in the relationship now if if it's bound to, doomed to fail? I have this same conundrum with with MMOs where I'm like, well, well. This isn't going to be a forever thing. I'm going to stop at some point. And if I'm going to stop at some point, well, I mean, why not just stop now? Um, which is where I get into the whole my goals thing. And again, my goals are primarily to see if I can engage with the story and get to the awesome like Shadowbringers content everybody talks so much about and then see if it's as good as they say and then probably take a break from there. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll see if I end up doing Endwalker too, but... Right. Yeah, MMOs are weird. And then I do always have this, maybe guilt is too strong a word, but this frustration that I'm kind of missing out on other games at the same time. Like, you, I can't, I cannot personally really play an MMO and play something else at the same time. I just, I don't have the time, number one. But also, my focus is always here. Like, it's always at the MMO because there's always so much to do. So. That I understand. I mean, that I, I personally like. Um, my frustrations with Eleven, notwithstanding, that was probably my favorite part i always had a thing to come back to where i knew what my next goal was um, yeah that, that, that's definitely a positive I, I do hate that i miss out on other stuff that's that's coming out in that time period though um, it, it just to me it's like i'll play them after like i'll I'm shit i'll buy them and put them in a box till i'm ready like, sure I, i'm not really i'm not really missing out on them um yeah that's just how i think about it like yeah because I, I pick up so many games, like Etrian Odyssey is years old, but I picked it up on 3DS and had a great time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just don't really view it as missing out, I guess. Unless I guess, somehow access to that thing becomes difficult. Sure. I think it's like, more, I'm probably talking more about like gamers' relationship with backlog, which is a whole other thing. <laughs> so maybe we should do an episode sure. on backlog. That's a good topic. <laughs> and they're also I imagine there is something to playing something when it's relevant definitely um, yeah for sure especially if it has any kind of online or multiplayer component yeah which which more and more games do nowadays although yeah I, I think there's something there's something to be said about falling into the trap of, of playing things when they are the new hotness and getting caught up in the hype with that which can color your your enjoyment of that thing um, or even like if I just waited on Tales of Arise a little bit longer I probably would have then found some more negative articles and be like, oh, maybe it's not the next coming of Jesus Christ for Japanese RPGs <laughs> like everybody says it is. I still can't believe that game is as positively received as it is. Fuck that game. I gotta try it at some point just so I can feel the rage. I, I'm probably way too angry and bitter about it for like what it is. I don't know. It just, it just, obviously it's frustrating when things receive undue praise, right? <laughs> and you feel like you're losing your mind because 
you're like shouting against a windstorm and nobody can hear you. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, um, yeah. Despite uh, I, despite my fucking loathing of FF7 remake, I still enjoyed us talking about it. So <laughs> sometimes yeah. playing something I despise is not so bad. <laughs> yeah, that that too. There, yeah, and, and it is it is fun. I mean, it's like kind of like watching a bad movie. It's harder with games though because they require a much larger time investment, even if they're shitty. For right? sure. So they're they're best they're best if enjoyed together with someone I think too. Um, I also like something like Tales of Arise. I, I wouldn't want to set out to hate it already. Like of course, yeah. Um, and and no. I certainly didn't like you know. Yeah, your impressions early on were pretty good. Yeah, they were. It started strong, and then it started strong. Got worse again. You you just you start to see the cracks, and then you realize that it never had any legs to stand on really. So. Yeah. Anime cringe. Anime cringe. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I really haven't been playing much else. Still working through Animal Crossing with my girlfriend on the daily. She's doing a lot more of that than I am these days. Um, but still having fun. And uh, a bit of Pokemon, uh, the Platinum and, and uh, Diamond remake. It's uh, it's good. It's good because it's a game I hadn't played before, so it's new for me. Um, and it's that old Pokemon style. I am... So I've been watching a YouTuber called Small Ant, who's got a huge following, so I do not need to promote him here, but um, he does a lot of challenge runs with Pokemon. He's like, Pokemon's definitely his main like main jam, but he does play some other stuff. Um, but a lot of the challenge runs he does are ways to make Pokemon harder for himself, obviously, hence challenge. And I see so much more potential in this series when there's a little bit of a fucking challenge. I, I want so bad to have access to this Pokemon like Diamond Switch version with a mod that makes it harder, it would be ten times the game it is. Um, it just baffles me that their decision for all the mainline Pokemon games is to make them like what's the trivi- trivially trivially easy, sorry. I don't know why I struggled so much with that. Um, because it, it robs the game of so much potential. Um, Decisions like forcing you to have the always-on EXP share in the remake to just completely baffling. If you're going to do that, like just make the trainers harder, right? Make the Pokemon you're fighting harder so that your team of all level 20-somethings don't steamroll this team of level 10s. Like, yeah, uh, you know, just, this is a great follow-up to 14 because it's the same complaint, right? Like You're not challenging me in any way, and <laughs> we're steamrolling everything. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, in a way, John, I think that our first episode of this podcast being about difficulty in video games was very prescient for a lot of our video game tastes in general. And it keeps rearing its ugly head, this fucking difficulty problem. Um, yeah, um, I mean, there are plenty of games I enjoy that have a real challenge, but it, it is a shame when you come across one. Like, Pokemon's a great example where... It's just so fucking mindless. <laughs> yeah, so mindless. So fu- and, and it, again, with Pokemon, people often throw out the, the thing, oh, well, it's meant for babies or kids or whatever. Um, first of all, I mean, fuck you. I find that one... very... No, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to you... say, when's the last time... <laughs> Me, go ahead. <laughs> when is the last time the people making that argument had a conversation with a fucking child? They're a lot smarter than that. Yeah. And they like to learn things. And I, ki- kids I grew up with, um, you know, when I was a teenager and they were family friends, they, they were a lot better at video games than you like to give them credit for. Yeah. Um, 
and they, they learn fast and they enjoy working through a challenge <laughs> yeah and, and they have the time frankly to to be challenged right like like they're gonna, yeah, oh, yeah, they're, they're the ones that are going to sit there for four hours and try and beat that fucking hard boss right um yeah sure but like but even just going back to the early pokemon games right especially first and second gen they they were not nearly so trivial the main reason being there wasn't an always on exp share right like you had to actually switch in pokemon to level them up and granted mm. that could be a little bit tedious but like the grind has always been part of the pokemon formula and it's what made one and two or gen one and gen two rather i think have such staying power it was like yeah, you invested a lot of time into your team and you really felt a fucking bond with them and again, those games were hard. Like I played them as a fucking six-year-old and got my ass kicked a lot, and I, it never deterred me. I had a fucking blast with them, and they were awesome. So I, I just don't, I just don't buy that they're made for kids. Kids have to be fucking babied when it comes to game difficulty. It's a turn-based no. RPG. Like it's not like uh, how hard can it really be, right? <laughs> it's like Dark Souls. <laughs> right. Dark Souls for a six-year-old. Yeah, that might be a bit tough for them. Just. I think it's still try it, but like again, it's a turn-based RPG. If, if all they have to do is grind, it's not the end of the world. Right. Anyways, uh, all right. I'm gonna stop bitching about Pochi Man's. Um, yeah, that's what <laughs> I've been playing. I'm gonna keep going with FF14 for now. I, I, I finished. Uh, I finished the Heavensward main main story, and it was pretty good. Uh, I, I have a feeling by the end of all this, I'm going to come away from this saying. The story has some strong moments, but how the fuck are we not talking about the fact that it is presented terribly? Uh, yep. <laughs> because I'm already having that issue where I'm like, Heavensward was like this award-winning thing, and I'm like, yeah, it's got a pretty good story, but it's sandwiched between hours of pointless bullshit. And that, obviously... I, I fucking hate those articles that just praise this shit as like the next coming of JRPG or rpg storytelling and it's like bitch how about you talk about how i had to deliver cheese before we got there yeah how about yeah how about you talk about the fact that pacing is a supremely important part to a story's quality uh and, and it's how you interact with it like if a story drop that ball fucking terribly <laughs> every time if a story if a story is only good 10 percent of the time and 90 percent of it's pointless drivel you wouldn't call it a good story You'd say right. it has good moments, but on the whole, it misses terribly. Uh, so, I don't know. There's this weird, like... We hold it to a lower standard, I think, because it's an MMO. So I, I wish that they would at least talk a little bit about the fact that it could be so much better than it is. Because, again, right. I would be less bothered by there being long pauses between these great story moments because I have to go power up and level up and do dungeons. Because that's me interacting with the game mechanics and like doing fun RPG things. No, mm -hmm. instead, I have to do literal hours of walking around your game world talking to people I don't know who want cheese and shit. Like, it's, what the fuck am I doing? And it takes so long. So, I'm getting mad so right now. It, <laughs> so, so much of it is just fucking aetherite to aetherite. Dude, yes. Yeah, it's... Uh, teleport and walk, teleport and tele walk. No, literally, teleport, walk, teleport, walk, teleport, walk, teleport, walk, and you've unlocked a dungeon. Q for 30 minutes as a DPS. Do the dungeon faster than it was ever meant to be done. It's a fucking... <laughs> you'll never do it again because you only had to do it for the story and there's nothing you want from it that looks cool. And on to the next thing. Teleport walk, teleport walk, teleport walk, teleport walk. Ooh, a good cutscene. That was pretty cool. I wish that the last one hadn't been three days ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm being pretty negative about it. We'll see. I, I do hope... 
I'm giving it my best fucking effort, and I'm still playing a lot of it, so obviously I can complain all I want, but they have my sub, and I'm playing, so it's doing something kind of right. Um, yeah. Taking I, I should, a few boxes. <laughs> yeah, one more one more compliment sandwich thing here. I quite like Black Mage mechanically, and I'm having a fun time executing my rotations, and I feel cool doing it, so I'll give it that. Good job. Good job. <laughs> okay. Um, let's talk about the news. You know what this means, John? It's time for the news call. You ready? Here we go, here we go. Run, two, three. The news. I'm probably I'm probably way too loud. I got way too close for that. No, that's fine. It's good. I can I can I can mix you down. Um, all right, let's go. talk a little bit about the the game awards that happened recently. Um, I'm actually going to start us off with uh, the the Matrix Awakening demo that was released. It's basically an Unreal Engine five tech demo that they dropped like at at the event. I love when they do stuff like that. Like it's available now. It's it's so like see through marketing campaign stuff, but I still like it. Um, <laughs> So I downloaded it for the PS5 and, and gave it a quick peek. Uh, it was really cool. It was crazy the scale of the city that they showed and just how much of it is there at once. They also have a lot of cool tools where you can see the assets with different like filters from like a developer standpoint. I think you'll like that quite a bit, John, when I when I bring over the PS5 at some point. Um, oh, shit. Yeah, I gotta check that out. Yeah, it, it's cool. Uh, it, it's it's impressive. Like this this to me is a great tech demo for like next gen capability. You said that this is, they're claiming this is kind of going to be the end of worrying so much, sorry, worrying so much about like polygon count. Yeah, so I've been reading pretty much nothing but good things about Unreal Engine 5, and they have this new system, I believe they um, they call it like virtualized geometry, and the system is called Nanite. And the idea is that the way they're handling these assets now, and I, I am not technically versed enough to really talk about uh, to get into it but as i understand it it's just the way they're handling it now poly count doesn't matter so you can have i mean within reason like put 30 million verts in a single character and you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna just destroy everything yeah. <laughs> um those high poly like sculpted characters that you make in a program like blender or maya or zbrush uh before you like the process of making a really good-looking game character a triple a modern game character is you make a really highly detailed one you turn all of those details into a texture by like a process called baking you bake that detail down onto a lower res version that will run fine in a game but still look good and as i understand it their goal with nanite is that shouldn't matter anymore like artists we're going to empower you to go ahead and bring in your high poly version and just shove it in a game yeah, which is incredible. Um, so just just so you can, you know, speak to this a bit more, John. Like John, John and I have have dabbled a little bit in, in you know, game design stuff. John way more than me. I'm more just you know here to bounce ideas off of and, and play with music sometimes. But John's done a fair bit of character creation and and trying to bring those characters into Unreal, for example. So you can speak to the difficulty of not just making the character, which is already a hard thing from an art standpoint and a technical standpoint, but then making that mm -hmm. character still look good while not tanking your game's like frame rate it's a fucking art oh yeah and like i have barely scratched the surface i i am in awe of these these fucking masters who, who just know all this shit um and i i'm i come from a, a 
programming career background, and I still find the stuff difficult to pick up. I especially find the art stuff difficult to pick up. Mm-hmm. So when you get a really well-made character that moves well and animates well and, and looks good while it's moving, and you get that in a game, and it somehow still comes in under like 20,000 polygons, I'm like, how the fuck did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, if, if Unreal Engine 5 is just making it even easier for artists and in my experience unreal engine 4 the current version um has been the the game engine i've played with with the least amount of friction from getting art from the art pipeline the art side um into the engine it's just um it's been the easiest experience in in, in my experience anyway um and it just seems like they're leaning even more into that and i'm i'm really excited to see what the hell that means for what triple a games can look like or even indie games with with uh skilled artists who don't have to worry so much about bringing this um stuff down to to low poly and worrying about all those optimization tricks and stuff well i mean and if if unreal is is, as or rather if epic is as as generous as they have been with making unreal engine 5 you know accessible to like indie devs and and people without like a huge barrier to entry cost wise yeah that that, that's Mm -hmm. gonna be fucking awesome I think we're going to see some yeah. pretty incredible games because of that. For sure. I, I hope so. Um, and they have a new lighting system called Lumen that they've been, they showed off in that, yeah, uh, yeah. that like launch tech thing. I remember and that. It's just the, the tools look really good. I can't wait to play with them. I've been holding off because it's not, uh, it's early access right now. So I don't want to, to, uh, to dive in until I know I could do something with it. But yeah. Um, yeah, really excited to see where that goes. I think the trade off would be storage. I feel like if you have this incredibly detailed series of assets, this really high poly version, um, the tra- there has to be a trade-off somewhere, and I think that would be storage space. So mm. I, th- I feel like games made this way might be bigger, which could be a problem for Dude. consoles with already yeah. limited storage. Are you ready? Okay, here's my. I just came up with a prediction. This is my conspiracy theory. Okay. <laughs> But go. maybe not conspiracy theory, but but I can see this leading into because already uh, game subscription services are getting huger and huger. Uh, that's proper grammar for those of you wondering. Um, <laughs> and game streaming becoming more of a thing. I wonder if this technology getting bigger and bigger and the games getting huge is going to mean that game streaming becomes like the only way to really feasibly play these games because you just couldn't have enough storage in your own console. I, I I gotta wonder, because um, as these games get even bigger and more detailed, like do we even have the internet infrastructure to support that? I see, I see. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm curious. I think people are gonna. I think companies are gonna continue to push that streaming future. Um, I'm not. A, I like physical media. Um, Me too. And until like the rights issue is solved, like. Do I always have access to the thing I bought digitally, even if you discontinue your fucking service down the line? Yeah. Uh, until that shit is solved, I'm never really going to be super on board with that. But yeah, it's um, we're in for some some wild times. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Now, maybe this is me being a bit ignorant to how this all works, but I'm still a bit baffled why a game I buy a disc for basically the disc just installs that game onto my hard drive and I, and I play it not from the disc at all really, but from the installed game. Like, is there not a way to get around this by actually playing games like they used to be played by actually running them from the physical, you know, cartridge or disc they're coming from? 
running from the cartridge or disk they come in. Like a I PS1 game I, doesn't install itself onto your PS1's hard drive. It just runs from the disk. Oh, I got you. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure what the, the size limits on some of these discs are. I, I, off the top of my head, I have no I have idea what the size of a Blu-ray is. But, um, yeah, it seems like um, for Elder Scrolls Online, actually, um, which I have for PS4, uh, I don't think you need the disc after you pop it's like you're buying an access key that yes. happens to be physical yeah, and exactly. cd shaped yeah but at the same time i understand a little bit just because there's so much post-release content i'm not sure the entire game would even fit on a disc anymore <laughs> well but but so final fantasy 7 remake is on two discs um if you buy i think integrate or something is on two discs like two blu-ray discs one of the oh i didn't know that one of the very few but yeah, that's the thing i'm saying like i think blu-ray by the way i think it holds about 80 gigs um so they're they're pretty huge, but like you know, there are four there are four disc PS one games. There could be a four disc PS four game or PS five game rather. Like that, we have already had this problem, and we just solved it by making more discs, right? And, and I'm sure eventually we'll make another disc that can hold more stores than a Blu-ray. Um, so I don't. I'm, I'm just a little bit baffled by why I have to download and install the game, and I can't benefit from having the physical copy like I used to. Mm, yeah, yeah, I'm not. Uh, I mean, outside of a day one patch, I do understand the sure. day one patch. But, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the the uh, maybe it's an environmental thing. Yeah, I doubt it. I I, <laughs> I I doubt that that's really a strong factor for them right now. I mean, like the companies love to pay lip service to that, right? But I I really would be surprised. Yeah, I don't know. I, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably. Um, yeah, lip service is a good way to put it. Yeah, I mean, even technically speaking, I'm not too sure if it fits on the disc. Why they um, sometimes don't require it after the fact. Well, because like so, so uh, just just to not to belabor this point too much more, because we're probably getting in the weeds here. But like if I if I pop in, let's say God of War four in a PS4 and I'm offline, I can still play the right. game, right? I don't have to have internet access to play it, which is good, thank fucking God. But the game still installs itself on my hard drive. Um, and that's, I mean, that's been a complaint, I think, of, of Sony since the PS4 era, or PS3 even, where Xbox hasn't done that. Um, so I don't think it's strictly necessary. I just wonder why we seem to be stuck doing that with Sony uh, consoles anyways. But My best guess would be that reading that installed game out of, like, system memory is faster than reading the disc. Sure, yeah, okay, fair enough. It's probably a way of cutting down load, load times or something like that. But if, if that's my best guess, just taking more advantage of of how powerful these boxes are now, I, uh, maybe the disc reading is just slower. Maybe I'm not honestly sure. Maybe I, I wonder though. It'd be nice if there was almost an option there, right? Because system storage has been such a sticking point with games getting bigger and bigger. It'd be nice if you could opt out of the game install and just suffer lo- longer load times here and there. Um, hmm, I'll have to do some reading on that. Okay. Yeah, obviously, yeah, we're both kind of ignorant to the tech here a bit, but it's it's curious nonetheless. Anyways, back to the UE5. Curiouser and curious. Curiouser and curiouser. Uh, <laughs> I played the, the Matrix demo. It was pretty cool. Um, I mean, the demo was pretty like minimal as far as gameplay, but you got to drive around this hyper-realistic, crazy, beautiful, insanely complex city, and the amount of AI that was going on at one time was fucking crazy. The amount of cars on the road, like, following traffic lights, it, like, it was just nuts. I don't know. It, it was, I have never felt the world. I've never been in a game city that felt, 
felt so alive, so that was cool. I'm excited for for this for things like the new Spider-Man, for example. Um, That'd be cool. Yeah, it's gonna be sick. Anyways, it was cool. I'm excited to see more UE5 stuff. If you have a PS5 or, or the latest Xbox, um, or I think a PC even, I'm not sure, uh, but you can download it and, and give it a check out. It's free. So, it's also an ad. <laughs> it's also an ad for the Matrix movie though. So it's it's very much like a, a huge marketing thing. So don't be. Uh, I just want to say I find it funny that we refer. I can't. I can't speak for you, but I would say the latest Xbox because I can never remember its fucking name. That's literally why I said that. I was like, ah, it's like the Series X, I think. But just to be sure, the latest Xbox is, is what I'll use. Microsoft, get your shit together. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Xbox Four is fine. Xbox Four is fine. Um, I wonder though if they. It's interesting. Now I'm thinking of a marketing standpoint here. If they came out with Xbox Four and PS5 was the latest Sony console, just by having a smaller number, I wonder if, like, you know, human brain, Neanderthal instincts would be like, five is bigger than four. PlayStation better! And maybe they're worried <laughs> They're worried about that comparison. I don't know. I mean, shit, just skip a generation then and, and call it five. Yeah, yeah you, you did it with Windows. <laughs> there you go. It's better than this Series XS or whatever the fuck you're doing. Yeah. Anyways, um... Some more Game game Awards stuff. Uh, I'm going to talk about some announcements, then we'll talk about the winner of Game Awards, because I have some thoughts, and then uh, a couple more headlines, and that'll be it. So, Alan Wake 2 was announced, so that's pretty cool for people who like Alan Wake. John, you were a fan, I believe, of the original game. I am. I had a great time. The story was great. Combat was a little meh, but uh, hopefully the sequel improves on that. I'm looking forward to it. Nice. Yeah, I think a lot of people were pretty excited about that. Some more... Uh, it seems like a bit of a renaissance for, like, AAA horror stuff right now, so... Or at least we're seeing more and more of it. I'm loving it. Bring me more, and then uh, EA, I like go back in time and unfuck Dead Space, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, hey, we're getting that remake. We're getting the Dead Space one remake. I'm, I'm cautiously looking forward to. That. Yeah, me too. I I, I I feel the same way. Cautious optimism, um, and maybe that will bring about a Dead Space four. Who knows? Um, Sick. Forspoken, Square Enix's like big open world. Uh, isekai game where you take somebody from new york and pop them into a fantasy world is coming out may 24th of 2022 um so that's neat it looks kind of cool i'm excited to see uh the the traversal in that game looked very very interesting Uh, so if the movement's Mm -hmm. really fun like you know spider-man ps4 can is like a good testament to how a game with strong movement is often like enough to keep me (laughs) for a while even if it had a bad story and stuff like that not that spider-man did but uh, it's fun sometimes just to fucking move around in a video game sandbox. So, Metroid Dread, man, I'm not. I'm always gonna praise that movement. Right? Yeah. <laughs> fair enough. Um, Incredible. Elden Ring had a new lore trailer. Being a Miyazaki game, uh, in my opinion, you're not gonna spoil anything for yourself watching this lore trailer because it's still so beautifully vague. Um, I love the way they they approach this stuff, but uh, it was excellent. Like it was produced amazingly. The cast of characters in this game looks so fucking cool. Like it, it, I can tell, I can tell George had a hand in this because there seems to be a bit more like cohesion and consistency in the characters we're seeing in these cutscenes or in these trailers rather. But they still have that that like from soft Miyazaki touch of of oddness and, and like a lack of true definition, right? Like these characters aren't. I don't think they're going to be these super well realized, like Western RPG fully fleshed out characters. They're still going to be weird 
uh, you know, they're, you're going to have a lot of questions, I guess is what I'm saying, when you when you meet these characters, and by the time you're done with them, you're not going to have a strong sense of exactly exactly who they were, their backstory, that mm. kind of thing. And I like that. I, a that's lot of what it, a lot of what you get out of it is how you interpret their motives. Exactly. Yeah. So I still think that's going to be uh, a huge um, kind of storytelling approach in Elden Ring. So, anyways, so the the trailer was great. It looked really really cool. Tons of cool fucking like just character designs. I, I can't believe the art team for for FromSoft is like legendary, man. They they have some of the coolest designs ever. So oh man, I keep it up, guys. I can't wait. Yeah, can't, can't wait. wait. Can't wait. Uh, February <laughs> of next year. Uh, yeah, the, we're gonna. I, I've said it before, but we're gonna become an Elden Ring podcast. So we'll, there will be a big rebranding effort. Look forward to that. Um, There's gonna be like at least one four-hour episode on it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> almost certainly. Yeah. Um, it, it'll be what finally causes us to launch our Twitch channel that nobody watches, so it's going to be fun. Um, <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's a game that John has shown me a couple times. Uh, it was announced ages ago and had a little demo they put out called Tunic. It's an indie game. Oh, yeah. uh, it's got a really beautiful visual style. It's, it's, it's like an uh, isometric, I'd say Zelda-inspired action-adventure game. Um, it finally got a release date of March 16th of next year, so check out the, the trailer for Tunic, T-U-N-I-C, you play a little fox guy wearing a tunic. You have a sword. It looks really great. I'm quite excited to give it a shot. Hopefully it's... Uh, if it's anywhere as, as good as that demo made it seem like it would be, especially from a charming standpoint, I think it's going to be pretty special. So, um, tunic next year. Can't wait. Dune is having an RTS put out called The Spice Wars. It was really just like a, a teaser kind of cinematic-y type trailer, so not a good sense of the gameplay at all yet, which is a bit disappointing, but, you know, sometimes studios have to put out an announcement trailer to keep the producers happy, so that's probably what they did. Uh, I just put this in here because, uh, one, I saw Dune, and I loved it. I actually thought the movie was fucking great, uh, and I can't wait to watch it again, and I can't wait for part two, and I hope they do a part three. Um, but I also just wanted to give my condolences to all the Dune fans out there who for decades have been, like... <laughs> This niche niche fan base of this awesome sci-fi epic, and now uh, the plebs are coming. It's it's hard sometimes for <laughs> something that's niche to become mainstream. Like even growing up as a video game player, you know that was that was really niche for a long time, especially when I was a kid. Um, and that's become way way more mainstream now. So it, it can be tough sometimes to see something you love kind of fall into the hands of. Uh, of the general public, so I hope that the Dune fans are mostly happy and excited about the fact that their one of their favorite IPs is getting all this attention, and I hope they enjoyed uh, the most recent movie. And hopefully, a, a cool Dune video game comes out of it. Uh, but I also understand... introducing the Sandworm Funko Pop. <laughs> oh, dude, one hundred percent. I'm sure. I'm sure Funko's all over Dune already. Like that's that's that shit probably sailed ages ago. Oh, Funko. Um, yeah. So Dune, cool. Uh, so last thing we're gonna talk about news-wise. Oh, sorry, no. Two more things. The uh, the video game, I don't know if we've shouted it out on the pod before. It's called Sea of Stars. Do you remember this one, John? I've shown it to you a couple times. Uh, no, not particularly. This is, is, it, is it the um, 2D RPG? Yes, it's the 2D RPG that I'd say has like strong Chrono Trigger vibes from its uh, from its look. Um, I am getting... I, I think I remember. I can't quite recall it by name, but... Okay, so so basically you, you have two characters. I, I think they're a brother and sister. I don't know for sure. Um, but they uh, they have like a sun and moon aspect to them, and that plays into the combat, I think. I think there's a bit of a duality. You have to kind of exploit different weaknesses using the sun character versus the moon character. It looks very cool. The, the visual style okay. is, is 2D pixel art, which looks beautiful. Um, they ended up getting... 
fucking Yasunori Mitsuda to do some of the game or the music for their game, Fuck. which which is unbelievable. Like I, I told you about this when it happened. This was last earlier this year, I think. But can you imagine being an indie dev who like looks up to these old historic games like Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross and and you get enough attention for your game that you get put in touch with the guy who wrote the music for some of your favorite games. And he's like, yeah, I'll do some music for you. Like I would just, I'd <laughs> die happy be, right there. So cool. That'd be fucking nuts. Yeah. So anyways, that, it's just very cool that they managed to get a collab with fucking Yasunori Mitsuda. So, um, it finally got a release date. Uh, I don't have the exact date here, but it, it's sometime late 2022. I, I don't know. They might've just said like a Q4 2022, but either way, it's nice to see them actually, say that the game's coming out and it, it's not one of these indie games that's going to be hopefully stuck in development hell for, for ages and ages. Not that it had any indication it would be. It's just worrisome sometimes when these games never put out a, a release date. So happy to see that. Um, check out Sea of Stars. It looks really great. They've got lots of trailers and stuff, so give it a look. Um, last thing then is uh, I'm going to go back to Final Fantasy XIV for a second because they were in the headlines recently. So they're, they're having server issues because of the chip shortage. They couldn't build enough new servers to account for the influx of new players and the, the huge return of old players for their new Endwalker expansion. They have recently stopped selling the game. So you right now, if you want to play Final Fantasy XIV but don't already have it, too fucking bad, which is so fucking funny to me. Uh, you, you can't even buy it from a digital storefront. Like it, it's just off... They're, they're not marketing it also. They've stopped marketing the game, which they were doing a ton of leading up to Endwalker, which they probably didn't need to do. Um, so yeah, you can't buy it. It's not being marketed. I don't know how long that's going to be for. It's just crazy to me this game is so popular. They're begging people not to play it. <laughs> that is, that's fucking nuts. <laughs> Imagine that being your biggest problem. Like that your game is so fucking popular you have to ask people to stop playing it, please. <laughs> fucking crazy fucking crazy so anyways despite all my complaints about final fantasy 14 it's certainly not hampering the popularity of this fucking behemoth of an mmorpg it is the king undisputed so yeah uh craziness i just can't think of a, a modern equivalent to something being taken off of store shelves because it's too popular <laughs> that's right usually that happens because it's a pile of shit yeah usually <laughs> it's a cyberpunk situation so <laughs> yeah, which is also pretty unprecedented, but anyways. Yeah, so that's about it for, for news today. Uh, anything else you wanted to mention about stuff we talked about or, or anything else I missed, John? Uh, nope, I think that's it. Cool. Um, this will probably Just... be our last podcast until after the holidays. Um, I was going to make a Christmas theme song, but uh, work got really busy for me lately, so I apologize. You are stuck with the regular old theme song. Um, I might someday post a video to Twitter of me playing the theme song on the the very guitar it was composed on. If we get if we get to two listens on this episode, I'll post I'll post <laughs> the video on the Twitter. Those are ambitious goals. <laughs> I know. Got to keep got to keep striving for something. Um, anywho, one guy in two browsers. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Even then, we missed the goal. Um, yeah, anyhow. Uh, thanks to anybody who does uh, give us a listen. It, it's appreciated, and we're still having fun doing this. So as long as it stays fun. a good fun, time. Yeah, as long as it stays fun, we'll, we'll continue talking in your in your ear holes. So that's it for today's episode. Thank you very much for tuning in. We will probably see you sometime in the new year, or maybe just before. All right. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Branching Path Podcast. 
Check us out on Twitter at BranchPathPod or just search Branching Path Podcast. Check out our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash branchingpathpodcast. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and on our RSS website, which is rss.com slash branchingpathpodcast. Thanks again for listening. Take care.